This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts. Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! The rookie and a Cincinnati low snap. Looks to throw. Does throw. Complete across the middle. Ball's loose. Ball's loose. And the Saints have it. The Saints have it. A wrap of week 15 in the Superdome. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak inside black and gold on a winning edition. Yes, we are excited, Ooh. Jeff, to talk about this team snapping their skid, coming off the bye week and taking down the hated Falcons. Yes, thank goodness. I don't know if I could have dealt with another loss, especially if they lost it in the way that they looked like they were about to lose it. Um, But for once, for one time, all season, and even in this game, it was like, man, this team is so close to like getting that put-away play, right? That put-away play, that put-away play never comes, right? You think you have it with Alante Taylor on interception. It gets overturned. You think you you have it so many times. It's like, this just isn't working. But today, that, that turnover happened and it happened at a very opportune time and you know you're gonna look back at this game and say man this was a close game and people are gonna be like man the saints got taken to taken to the woodshed by a rookie again well it wasn't a rookie quarterback that took him to the woodshed it was a rookie running back that took him to the woodshed desmond ritter didn't even crack 100 yards passing um so we can get we can get into more of that but you know the saints just needed to win a game and they did and, you know, we can talk all the trash we want about how the season sucks and how you got to do this and this. You got to clean house wherever you want. You needed to win this game to feel any sort of positivity. And they did. And I don't care. I get it. They didn't run away with it. They should have won this going away and they didn't. But, man, it feels good to watch a team win a football game for once. Yeah, kind of lame, too. The Saints won the game, but they didn't cover. 
Woof. They didn't cover. You're right. It was a four and a half point spread. But uh, I think Saints fans are, are okay. I'm not, I'm not really a gambler, but I wanted to put some money on this when I was tempted. And then I was like, what are you doing thinking about putting money on the Saints? So I did not. Glad I, glad I didn't, but I know it's a bad beat for a lot of folks uh, that did. And, yeah, it was kind of scary at the end. Like, we're, we're really not going to go through this again, are we? Yeah, Saints should have won this game by 10 points, right? Easily. Like, easily. Right. Easily. And I blame David Johnson for that. But, you know, we're going to get into a lot of that. We're going to go on a rant here, but we're also going to get in the second segment. We're going to get into a mailbag after we kind of go through what we kind of witnessed in this game. But the first thing I want to point out is the thing that probably – and it feels like this got under so underappreciated in another game, which was the Seahawks game, is – you know, when you make a concerted effort to get Alvin Kamara involved, good things happen. Mm. And so I asked, I asked uh, DA about that after the game, and here's what he said: You know, Alvin, the last few weeks, he's been, you know, limited in his involvement. Was there kind of a concerted effort to get him touches today? Yeah, yeah, and 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 touches in a few different ways. And I think we got to continue to try to figure out creative ways to, you know, get him the ball and do some things with him and. Um, you know, let him affect the game. Yeah. So 21 carries, 91 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, two catches for 13 yards. I don't know how creative you got, but I'm okay with that. I just want to see him get featured. And that is what happened. And, you know, there's a guy sitting next to me up here after the, you know, on that closeout drive when they got the first down with Taysom Hill. And then he was like, man, why don't they just keep doing that? Why don't they just keep running Taysom Hill out there and, and give him the ball and make him stop it? And I was like, in this case, I don't mind as long as Alvin Kamara is the guy who gets the ball. Anybody else, I agree with you. You are not taking Taysom Hill off and running some sort of weird offense where you get cute. You are either running Taysom Hill or you are running Alvin Kamara. And on that play, Alvin Kamara got a first down on first down. And that won you the game in the sense that it made it so the Falcons had no chance, right? Like from that point, you did not, you were not successful in in the sense that you really wanted to close out that game with the ball in your hands, and you did give it back to them. You fumbled on that fourth and one snap, but I, I do agree with the decision to go for it rather than kick it, because the only way that goes against you is if you miss a field goal and give them the ball at like the forty, as opposed to giving them the ball at their own twenty-eight with nine seconds left on the clock. You're not scoring naturally from there. You're only scoring on a free play. And so even with a fumble, like the worst possible scenario with the play you ran, it was a good result. And uh, I just think it's really nice to see this team be able to close out a game on its own terms. And that's what they did, despite having to kind of stress for a couple plays there at the end. Yeah, and I mean, I think we talked about this, you know, getting the playmakers more involved. Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, Hey, the man, Rashid Shahid, he is legit, folks. And yeah, once again, you know, I'm impressed of, with what he's able to do already as a rookie. Was really just looked at as a return man, but has, you know, flexed those muscles in the offense where I want to see more there, too, obviously. Snap back to throw is Taysom. Looks, throws deep across the middle. It is wide open, and that's going to be Shahid. Rashid Shahid. Touchdown. 68 yards. The longest <laughs> touchdown pass for the Saints this season. That's the first time I heard that call. I did not hear it live, and I cannot endorse Rashid Shahid. I just can't. I can't get on board with it. I'm sorry, Mike. I hate to break it to you. No. <laughs> oh my god um, but, uh, for for what he's been doing in the offense though um shahid it's 
it's to me really impressive, like I said, just because of the fact that he was really looked at just as a return guy in my mind, and I didn't think he'd get acclimated so quickly in this offense. No, I didn't either. And like when you look at the trajectory of this team and the things that have gone well, and yeah, I know no one wants to talk about it, but there are good things about this team that you're yes. gonna that you're going to push forward. This is going to be the same team in 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 effect in terms of you're gonna take the good pieces and you're gonna try to work them into a system that that is improving and that is getting better and that has an upward trajectory, just like the Falcons did this year. You know, the Falcons, they suck today, but they improved year over year, and that's what you have to do if you're the Saints, right? And you look at guys like Chris Olave, Jawan Johnson, Rashid Shahid, not Rashid speed. and you see, like, the ability. They have a lot invested in the offensive line, a lot of good players along the offensive line. You don't have a young running back, that's one of my biggest critiques is you do need to get younger at that position. But when you look at the offense as a whole, you can see the development ready to happen. And it's just a question of do you, can you upgrade at the quarterback position, right? And once you do that, things are going to look a lot different. And then it's not to criticize Andy Dalton. He is playing well. He's just not a not a top echelon quarterback at this point in his career, right? And so, but you look at it and it's like there are, there are a lot of positive things you can take out of this game. But I did t- ask Andy Dalton what Rashid does so well on those plays. And uh, here's what he said. You know, just going back to Rashid a little bit, obviously you didn't throw the bomb to him today, but you've hit him in, on deep balls in the past. You know, what does he do specifically that, that makes him so effective on those type, type of plays? He runs really fast. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that we knew from the beginning when he, when he got here and when he started to, um, to run around, you could see his speed. And we've had opportunities to take some deep shots with him, and he's come down with a lot of them. He does run fast. Um, but, you know, what I was hoping he might give us some insight there about is, you know, it's, it's not just speed on those balls. He just has the ability to kind of glide. You know, early in the offseason, I, I kind of remarked, and this was long before we saw him in any preseason action because we never did. You know, it was just based on how I saw him kind of moving around is like he and Chris Olave have a lot of similar traits in terms of just how they're able to move. Like they glide. They never look like they're going fast, but they're flying. And he's just, you know, he has those long strides. He's just able to get out. And yes, as Andy put it, he runs really fast. <laughs> and it's he just catches you. Like you, you, you can't match his speed because of the way he's able to accelerate in such a smooth fashion. And, you know, I also asked, you know, I have a lot of clips here. I also asked Rashid about one thing that really strikes me about that play is it's something we've seen before, right? We have seen that play run for Deontay Hardy in the past. Right. And one of the difficulties in throwing Deontay Hardy downfield, your only option is to put it out in front of him and let him run under it. In this case, you didn't. He was able to just get it out and he kind of caught it, caught it in stride, but it kind of caught him. And, you know, Rashid's a bigger dude. Rashid is a bigger target. So he's able to get it over the target and he's able to just catch it. And uh, here's what he had to say there. Yeah, Rashid, sorry to keep asking a question about that one play, but I'm curious, you know, when Taysom's in there kind of running that play, mm-hmm. and you kind of sense that the defenders are kind of peeking in, you know, kind of just waiting to see, yeah. oh, no, he's going to pull this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when Taysom's in the backfield, you know, all eyes are on Taysom. Um, they got to be, you know, he that's just the player he is. And um, uh, I feel like Pete did a great job, you know, no, uh, realizing that. And, um, you know, when the play was called, it, it was a look exactly. So it worked out great. And so, like, that's – if you're a fast guy – you got to love playing with Taysom Hill in those sets because the defenders have no chance. They either have to they either have to sell out completely over the top, which they can't because 
Taysom Hill is always a threat to run, or they have to peek in and like kind of wait and wait and wait. And the second you wait, Rashid is by you. And that's what happened on that play. And, you know, when that play works, it's like, man, why do we do this all the time? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was a good, a very good way to start. This is the first time since Christmas Day 2020 that the Saints have scored touchdowns on their first two possessions of a game. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And now, then they didn't score again for the rest of the first half. <laughs> Another guy that's been impressive, too. You know, we said it hasn't been all bad this year. The return of Jawan Johnson. And, man, did he make a statement in his first game back. Seven touchdown receptions this season. By <laughs> far leads the team, right? We like, all saw that coming, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I talked to him, too. <laughs> yeah, Jawan, I don't even have a question for this. I just want to say this stat out loud. You have 48 career catches. 11 of them have been for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at what point is this just like, okay, this is my part of the field. I'm going to own this part of the field. Mm. Well, I try to own the whole field. Uh, the whole field. I mean, that's just, that's just me. I don't know if that was your answer or not. Was it? Oh, okay. Snarky. But, um, I mean, every time when I try to go on the field, I mean, I just try to, uh, I'm just in attack mode. And really when we get to the red zone, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is it. This got to be for six. Whereas for anybody, I mean, that's just like our mindset and our mindset's got to be because, you know, if you if you score touchdowns in the red zone, you're going pretty far in the season. You're going pretty far uh, in the playoff race. So um, just being really efficient in the red zone, something that we kind of harp on a lot. So we do red zone on Fridays and, you know, Fridays are, are the big days. It is this weird dynamic where everyone likes to clown my questions and then they give me good answers. That's sec two times in these press conferences. And you know, well, he runs fast. <laughs> and then he gives me an answer. I want to own the whole field. Then he gives me the answer. Anyway, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's my face. Um, but no, it's like 48 <laughs> career catches. 11 of them have for t- been for touchdowns. Hey, y'all. This is Jeff Nowak. Uh, quick note, recording this after the actual podcast. This stat is slightly incorrect. I omitted the four catches Juwan had in his rookie season when he was a tight end. So technically, 52 catches in his career, still uh, pretty good. But So these numbers are slightly off. Same premise applies, slightly off. All right, back to the podcast. That means that one out of every four of Jawan Johnson's catches in his career, which you're, you've got a real sample size at this point, have gone for touchdowns. That's remarkable, right? That means if you had 100 catches in a season, 25 of them or 23 of them would be – that would be 23 touchdowns. That, that's obviously impossible to do. Well, not impossible, but it would probably be an NFL record. I was going to uh, say think, we're getting like Travis Kelsey numbers over here. Gronk. I don't even think <laughs> Travis Kelsey reaches that, but I think Gronk does have the record for receiving touchdowns for tight ends. Um, but, yeah, I think Randy Moss – like that's Randy Moss record-setting territory. Like yeah. that is an insane clip, and it's like obviously with volume that will go down. But it's still kind of – it really drives home like – this guy has been elite in the scoring area of the field, and that's the area of the field you have to be elite in to win games, you know, and like that makes you money. As and a you're, you're two, you're two as a tight end. Yeah, yeah, I guess like yeah, technically, you know, honestly, he might have that number might be skewed. I, I that's the last two seasons. I don't know if maybe he had a catch or two in 2020. Um, you know, I don't know if he did. I think he might have got. He had a couple targets. I don't know if he had a catch, but. Yeah, he is just growing into that role, and that's he's another one of those guys, right? You look at these players who, okay, what's what's this team's identity going to be next year? Because, yeah, okay, the Saints have a glimmer of hope. The Bengals aren't doing them any favors right now. They're down 6, no, 17, right? to, 17 to 6 to the Bucks. But, you know, you have a glimmer of hope for this postseason, but at the end of the day, 
the the takeaways from this game, the takeaways from the final three games aren't going to be, oh man, well, we have a chance to make the playoffs. They're going to be, where does this team look to? Where does this team go next year and beyond? And guys like Jawan, guys like Chris, guys like Rashid, not Shaspeed. Um, those are going to be the guys that that kind of are bring you out of this funk, bring you to the level where you're expecting to win 10, 12, 13 games again. Because I don't think you're that far away. You just need to make the right moves, and you're going to be right there. And you can see flashes of it. You really can. And this game, I think, was was really good and a really good indicator of that. Yeah, and I, I know how, like, early on in the season, I kind of joked that, like, Jawan Johnson was your garbage time touchdown guy, but he's definitely evolved into a lot more than that, obviously. And clearly, one of Dalton's favorite targets. Definitely in the red zone. And, and on third and long, you know, the money downs, right? Like the first drive of this game, first three downs, you ended up in third and nine. Juwan Johnson catches a 14-yard pass, picks up the first down, keeps the drive going. Final play of this of that first drive, third and nine. Juwan Johnson catches a 19-yard touchdown pass where he stretches into the end zone. And his answer about that play was actually really good. Juwan, could you talk about your first touchdown? Yeah, Um yeah, it was just honestly, it was just a simple shallow cross. I was bumping, uh, you know, their end, and they kind of just got out. I'm sure it was a busted coverage, but, you know, um, nobody covered me, and I just tried to, I just, well, as, as they say, I just tried to get freaky. So and I tried to do my thing. Um, uh, I tried to do my thing. I'm, it's not too many times I'm in the open field, so, you know, I just tried to get into the end zone. Get freaky, he did. The freak, Jawan Johnson. No, and, and it was it was a great play. He stretched it into the end zone. They didn't give him the touchdown right away. You know, I've, I had someone on Twitter point out that it's like, it's the type of play where it's really annoying that it wasn't called a touchdown because it's that close. And at best, you're guessing, right? At best, you're guessing that he's down. But the thing is, all scoring plays are reviewed. Right. So it's a situation. It's kind of like with a fumble. If you're not sure, let it play out. Because if it's a fumble. It's automatically reviewed anyway. If you force the team to challenge, you don't have unlimited challenges. So it's, you're putting that one team at a disadvantage because you're wrong. And that's what happened there. And the saints had to challenge. Obviously they got it. It was one of the quickest reviews I've ever seen. Yes. Like I, I was just about to send a tweet out being like, this might be tough because I'm not sure if you're going to have the right angle down the, <laughs> down the goal line. And by the time the tweet sent, they had overturned it, or they had, yeah, they had overturned it to a touchdown. I'm like, how? What? It must have been one of those expedited reviews. But it's like, if it's yeah. that obvious, then why wasn't it called right on the field? And why did the Saints have to waste a challenge? Now, in today's NFL, you're rarely going to run out of challenges because so many plays are automatically reviewed. But it is kind of silly that this, that even had to happen. On the flip side of that, the uh, Alante Taylor, you know, oh, ended up not being an interception. That took forever to review. And that's that's what got me nervous. It's like, uh oh, well, this one's taking too long. Okay, I have I have feelings about reviews specifically. I think that there should be a minimum speed that you should have to review a play at, because I am tired of seeing plays slowed down to like one one hundredth speed, and so a guy who's like literally switching hands with the ball suddenly that's that's not control. You don't have control because. It's, it'd be like if you're watching somebody run in one hundredth of a speed, someone running is flying. Seriously, because you're off the ground for so long. There's no way he's just running. He's literally flying through the air. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So if I just run, watch it at normal speed, it's literally one stride. Oh, cool. Great. So, but if you slow down someone changing hands with the ball 
to one on hundred speed. Yeah, that ball's flying through the air of its own accord. No, he's literally switching hands. That's a natural play with the ball, and you're taking it away on this. Just, it's like that's not what replay should be for. It shouldn't be to like make sure that oh, if I was a a robot, <laughs> I could have seen that. If you can't see it in real time, it shouldn't be something. Like, physically can't see it. Like, literally, if you're watching that play, you would have never called it incomplete. So, yeah, I, I was wondering on that. Was it because of the ball being, quote-unquote, loose, or did he not get the foot in? Both. Both. Okay. So, what happened was he had the ball. He had it kind of loose in his left hand, but he had it. He had it under control. And then he kind of changed hands with it, but they, you would deem that, oh, well, he didn't have complete control of it with his left hand. But like the process of catching it, it's under control. Yeah. And so if you're watching that at real speed, 10 times out of 10, you're calling that a complete catch, right? A complete interception. And so by the time he got his third foot down, he had the ball, but that was out of bounds, right? So that's where you were like, well, he didn't have complete control. But like, again, the point of replay shouldn't be to overturn calls that would be called one way 10 times out of 10, right? Because if you're watching it, in real time, you're going to call that a catch. But at 1-100 speed, you might be able to identify a little slight bobble, right? It should be to overturn egregious and obvious errors, which is why I think there should be like maybe half speed is the slowest you can put it at to make a decision. Because if you're refereeing a game one way when it's happening live, why are we refereeing a game completely differently and the calls that are happening are completely different when we're replaying it? How does that make sense? So, like, if the play was never replayed, you would have never changed it. You would have been like, yeah, okay, that was right. But because you have the ability to do it, you're changing it. But it's kind of like if you watch a basketball game, and this happened in the NCAA tournament championship game, Texas Tech and Virginia, right? The <laughs> I don't know why. This kind of stuck in my head. Virginia player, it's the Italian dude, I don't remember his name. He's going down the floor. And in basketball, there's kind of this standing agreement that if you get fouled and the ball gets knocked out of your hands, a lot of times the ref isn't going to call the foul, but he's going to give you the ball because you it wouldn't have gone out of bounds unless you got fouled. And so, like, yeah, maybe the ball is knocked off you last, but you can't call a foul every time that happens. So it's kind of just like this out of bounds, take it, go. But when you start replaying it, and I don't know if the NCAA still does this, but at that point, in the final two minutes of a half, they allowed you to replay every everything. So... The replay only allows you to change whether it was off this guy or off that guy. But in an instance where you're blatantly fouled, <laughs> the ball goes off you. So you then lose the ball because you got fouled and they missed that call. But they like see it going like grazing off your pink. And suddenly that's the call that gets made. But the issue is for 36 minutes of the game, you call it one way. And for four minutes of the game, you call it differently. And that's not how replay should be instituted. And I just I just think replay ruins the game. It really does. And this is a long rant that I don't need to go on. I just hate it so much. I hate that great plays are turned into nothing. Because that was a great play by a rookie who has never had an interception. It would have been first career interception. And instead, it's overturned so because you're standing on the sideline staring at it for 20 minutes in like frame-by-frame frame analysis. That's not what football is, right? It's just bad. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It just seems all around just with the NFL. It's and- a bad product. It's not fun to watch that. No, we, you know, we, we've talked about, too, you know, the, obviously the roughing the passer issues. Yeah, that's, that's what's a whole a, other animal. Yeah, What's a pass? What's not a pass? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty frustrating, and I don't, I don't even know if the answer is full-time referees, if that's going to solve everything. No, it's, but it's not. But like the, the call on the field was correct because that's right. the call any human with eyeballs would have made because you're not a robot who can slow stuff down, right? So either you allow like slow-mo to be making all the calls, right? It's like, it's like if you're talking about baseball, we still have humans calling balls and strikes. We could easily say robots do your thing and they would get it right 100% of the time. But we allow for that human element, right? We don't allow you to challenge balls and strikes because, yeah, this guy has his own strike zone. He's going to call it how he calls it. And in this case, it's like if we just let it go, we're going to let the humans do it. But if for whatever reason we want to challenge it, we're going to let the robots do it. And then we're playing a different sport. And that's annoying as hell to me. And it's like all I want to see is exciting plays. I want to see diving catches. Right. I want to see that play be a real play because it's a great play. And instead, it's this obnoxious fucking dissection of sorry for cursing of like the most obnoxious part we of the game and, on here and i don't know it, it bothers I, I me the 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 devil's advocate part of that is you could say at least they're getting the call quote unquote correct yeah but yeah I, I know like yeah it's a good argument and you're like okay isn't the goal to get all the calls correct and right. i would say to to a point right within a margin of error because if you just leave that call and just play on no one's complaining. The other team isn't like, oh, but I slowed it down to one one hundred speed, and I can see that you know he might have bobbled it for you know one millisecond. Like, no one's making that assessment because it goes both ways. You're just calling it the way that you would see it as a human. Anyway, this rant has gone on way too long. Well, they they didn't want to give the Saints too many turnovers today. It's just annoying because that's a massive play in that <laughs> game. It's a massive play in that game, and you're penalizing a team that the team that made the error is benefiting from this like ridiculous, ridiculous ability that like technology has given us. And we just haven't thought about how it ruins the game of football. Cause like, that's not, a, that's, that's not a play that if you're, if 20 years ago before, you know, we had all this, these cameras and all this ability, that's an interception 100 out of 100 times. Now it's not. And that's, that's wrong to me. That's wrong. Uh, that's anyway, like See, for example, it- it's if, unfortunate they can't correct the terrible not pass interference right, call. Right, right, right. We don't get the stupid shit. Right? <laughs> we get that. We get that. And like, I don't even know if that would have gotten challenged if you didn't automatically review everything. Because it was like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's annoying. I, I, I'm going to stop ranting because this was a good game by the Saints in a lot of areas. That bugs me not only because they overturned it, but because like the result of it was a long Falcons drive for a touchdown. And it's the second time this season that Alante Taylor has been screwed over by a call that was questionable at best in a, on a play that would have given the Saints clear momentum. The other one was in almost virtually the same situation against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, and they called the, the weakest defensive illegal contact penalty I've ever seen. And then the 49ers went in and scored. I think it may, might have got a field goal uh, on that drive, and the Saints didn't score in that game. <laughs> no, but anyway, that might've been that wild catch in the back of the end zone by the Niners. Well, the <laughs> so <laughs> two things happened in this game. That was almost a shot for shot remake of that Niners game. The one was the, the Alante Taylor interception that was overturned yet. Instead of being overturned by review that time was, it was negated by a penalty. And the other one was in the Niners game. 
Tyron Matthew tipped that ball up and Juwan Jennings caught it in the back of the end zone. And in this game, Desmond Ritter, who had a, who wasn't good, let's be clear, this idea that the Saints struggle against rookie quarterbacks, he eh. had 91 yards passing. Give me a break. Like this, this, can we stop talking about that? This whole idea that they struggle against rookie quarterbacks. Oh, that, yeah. The 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 rookie uh, running back was a different story. Tyler Algar, yeah, he, he yeah. had a massive game. It was the first time since 2017 that a opposing running back went over 100 yards rushing at the Superdome, which is kind of crazy to think about. Wow, that um, is a great stat. Well, yeah. not for today, but you know what I mean. Well, no, I mean it's it tells you how how rare that type of game is. Right. And they were dedicated to the run, so it makes sense. But so the other the other play that I was talking about, so you remember the Tyron Matthew one, it almost happened again because that gift wrapped interception that Alante Taylor kind of had tip off his hands. And, you know, it was a tough catch, but he should have made it and it probably would have been a pick six. Olamide Zacchaeus, if I said that correctly, he could have caught that. And that could have been a touchdown. It was it was this close to being a shot for shot remake of like, oh, that should have been a pick instead. It's a touchdown. Oh, uh, a little bit of vomit, vomit yeah. material right there. And the Saints ended up holding for a field goal, but you know if they lose this game, if if this the end of this game goes differently and they lose, if they don't get that interception and this goes to overtime, man, you're looking at that play and you're like, oh, that was such a huge swing in this game. <laughs> no, and I and I'll say it looked like. Alante could have easily had three interceptions on the in this game. Yeah, that first one he should have had, no question. You know, you can tell by his reaction that he feels that way. Um, <laughs> that second one was tough. Yeah. Um, that third one he caught, in my opinion. That's an interception. I don't care what the refs say. Um, so now he's but, got four almost interceptions this year? At least. At least. <laughs> and uh, here's what DA had to say about Alante after the game. He shows up every day with his hard hat on, ready to go to work. And um, he listens to his coaches, and he tries to do it exactly the way that he's being coached to do it. Um, and he works extremely hard on studying the opponent and, and knowing kind of the things to anticipate. And so, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for guys that, that you know, wanna, they wanna be coached, they want to do it the right way. They want to play hard. They want to work hard. And he does that, and it's no, it's, it's not a surprise that he's able to go out and execute on Sundays because um, he puts in the preparation. Yeah, and the other thing he said was he feels bad for him because he's making a lot of great plays. He's just not getting credit for the great plays, right? Like, they're just not that little bit. But, uh, you know, Bradley Roby said this too. We don't have it, the clip from him, but he said that, you know, they're messing around with him on the sideline, like they're clowning him a little bit. But at the end of the day, the fact that he's putting himself in the situations that he's putting himself in, they're going to come eventually. And once you start catching them, they're going to come in bunches. And, you know, he's one of those players that, you know, you talk about on offense, all these like really high perspective type players. And, you know, the way he's playing and the way Paulson Adebo played across from him and, you know, the way that trio played with Bradley Roby taking a lot of snaps in the slot, you know, that's really good. Yeah, they, they were very good today. And granted against a rookie quarterback. And uh, let's just run through some of the stats first before we kind of get, into break and go to that mailbag. So Rashid Shahid was the leading receiver, three catches, 95 yards. Jawan Johnson, four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Rashid Shahid also had a touchdown. Chris Olave, three catches, 53 yards. Alvin Kamara, two catches, 13 yards. Adam Prentice, one catch for three yards, which was the first down. And that's it. You know, you didn't you didn't get a ton of passing today. Um, nothing nothing from Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton, 11 for 17, 151 yards, two touchdowns. And then Taysom Hill, two for two for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty um, good. And then on the other side, Desmond Ritter, 13 for 26, 97 yards. So, I mean, not a lot of passing yards in this game, but the Saints did run for 100 and 
32, 33 yards. Alvin Kamara, 21 rushes for 91. Taysom, 7 for 30. I thought he had a really good game in that regard. David Johnson, 4 for 12, and that really bad fumble um, that really killed all your... I think the Saints were going to win this game in a blowout, and then that fumble happened, and it allowed the Falcons to stick around. And then Andy Dalton, two carries for one yard. As we mentioned, Tyler Allgaier, 17 carries for 139 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry. That's like all, all pro over here. I, I'm still saying his name. I'm Tyler Algier. Cordero Patterson, 14 for 52 and a touchdown. Desmond yeah. Ritter, six for 38, which I, I thought he did some good things today, but he did not stress the Saints defense whatsoever with his. No, yeah, definitely. Then Caleb Huntley, one, one carry for two yards. Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks got his token one carry for zero yards, which just I, it makes me chuckle every time they try to use him as Taysom Hill. Receiving, Drake London had a nice game, despite, you know, Desmond Ritter had 97 yards passing. 70 of those went to Drake London. Seven catches for 70 yards. Yeah. And that terrible fumble at the worst possible moment. Some guy named Pruitt, I don't even know these guys' names, passed him. So I'm not even going to mention him. But, you know, so if you want to look at the positives for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter and Drake London had a really good connection. And that's going to be one that you want to see expand. Um, and I think Desmond Ritter has some better days ahead of him. But the Saints needed to make a rookie look like a rookie today, and I think they did. Most definitely. And, yeah, I was really surprised the fact that, I guess, Algier, his big game and the lack of really what Corderell Patterson did. I, you know, he did have the touchdown, obviously. But for the most part, the Saints kind of kept him in check. Yeah, but, you know, when they needed to stop him, they didn't. You know, I think that, that was earlier in the game that they stopped him on short yardage a lot. But like late in the game, they got run over. I mean, they allowed how many rushing yards in this game? Two hundred and thirty-one rushing yards. Yeah, against a team with a rookie quarterback, you know, like that's that you knew was going to try to run the ball a lot. It's not a great look. But like, I think the secondary really balled out today. Personally, Marcus May I thought had a good game. Tyron Matthew. Everyone keeps trying to trash Tyron Matthew. I thought he was excellent today. He got called for one of the worst defensive pass interference penalties you'll see um, on a play that was a great play. Paulson Adebo, you really didn't hear his name much at all, which that's a good thing for a defensive Except back. Except for the pass interference. The penalties. In the oh, in the end zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it was a hold, and then they nullified it down here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, Alante Taylor got a pass interference penalty called on him, too. That was a weird one, because it happened like 20 yards before the catch point. It was yeah. only an 11-yard pass interference penalty. It's probably the shortest pass interference penalty you'll ever see. <laughs> and the and But the catch was attempted at like the 40. So I don't know how you can interfere that early and not have it be illegal contact. But hey, there's good news. The Bucks are trying to give away this lead. But all right, we've ranted here. Let's cut this off and go to the mailbag, unless you have something else you want to say, Steve. No, just uh, happy that we're doing a winning podcast. Agree, agree. All right, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. A lot of comments in there. We're going to go to a quick break, and I'll star as many of them as I can, and we'll get to them right on the other side of this 